0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.
1: Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program.
2: Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. I'm in the midst of a series where I'm interviewing people who are agents of transformation. And uh, earlier in this series, I had the privilege of interviewing uh, Bible scholar Dr. Will Coleman, and at the end of the session, he started talking about prayer and meditation in the Bible and how the the early Hebrew people and and early Christians prayed and what were the techniques of prayer. And we had a conversation the next day and said, you know what, we need to finish this. So, without further ado, we have on the call again today on the show again today. Dr. Will Coleman, how you doing de- today, Dr. Coleman?
3: I'm doing very good. Yourself?
2: I'm excellent, excellent. Um, you know, ready to 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 experience all that this experience is going to be, knowing that God will lead you to say the right things and et cetera, and use your vast knowledge to help people shift in their paradigm so they can see what God is seeking to do in, through, and as them. So obviously today is about prayer so uh, first thing I want to ask you is uh, prayer first of all what is prayer based upon the ancient Hebrew concept of prayer and um, and how was it used in uh, the early uh, days of the of the Hebrew people and the early Christians
3: okay that's a good question I'm want to combine prayer with uh, the, also the concept of meditation. And one way we can think about that is uh, to think about some personalities in the biblical text who uh, uh, exemplified powerful, let's uh, say, techniques and results from uh, prayer. So persons like uh, Abraham, Abraham, uh, like Moses, Ezekiel, uh, Daniel, and, of course, Yeshua, Jesus. So just those, And also you'd add Paul to that. And, and John, the writer of the, of the Apocalypse. What is, and you have not common with all these persons, is uh, an incredible uh, devotional life that um, at different points in their own spiritual journeys, they had an encounter with uh, a power that was wor- both working within them, but also that they proceed uh, beyond their personal selves. So... Um, this is also part of the reason that they stand out as such powerful examples in uh, within the biblical text and within the formation of what may be called the Abrahamic religious traditions of uh, Judaism, Christianity, Islam. Um, so, prayer is is something that is, uh, in one respect, a conversation with in oneself. In relation to one's perception of a of a higher power or a microcosmic and universal power that is also beyond one's own um, personal embodiment, but it's not either or; it's both and. It, and prayer is not. Um, let me say what it's not. It's not a matter of of, of really begging, but it is a matter of affirming life affirming potentiality, affirming um, a code of conduct that uh, I believe leads to justice and harmony and uh, a strong sense of connection uh, within oneself, uh, one's environment, and the world. So prayer is both personal uh, as well as social. It is both individual and... As well as communal. Beautiful. Beautiful. Quick question.
2: What is the word, What does the word prayer mean in Hebrew?
3: Well, the, the, the versions of it, what it means in the Hebrew word itself, let me just, if I can give you a quick synopsis. Yeah. Tefali, or Tefala, Tefala, Tefala. Uh, And the examples of that would be really uh, uh, examples in the Psalms. And most prayers in Hebrew begin with the word Baruch, Baruch. So it's a a blessing. The word Baruch really means also uh, it's an invocation for the divine being to draw near to one and also near to what one is doing. It's almost as though one is asking the divine uh, power of presence to really bend down and draw near and then and, 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 and to make an intimate uh, connection, contact with that power. The power, of course, is seen as external, as I said before, but also as internal. So most present, again, uh, in Hebrew with Baruch Atah, blessed are you, living one. Baruch Atah Adonai, blessed are you, living one, a sovereign one, Eloheinu, Strong one of heaven and earth. Most prayers in Hebrew begin in that form. Oh, okay. So, in another uh, sense, a prayer <laughs> is a is a form of, of a blessing, or well, it is an invocation to be blessed, as well as an invocation to be a blessing, to have shalom, oh. to experience abundance, in one's okay. life. Mm-hmm. So, so I,
2: I know that you know. One of the mysticisms that you teach is the Jewish faith tradition known as Kabbalah. Yeah, some people call it Kabbalah, Mm -hmm. but it's Kabbalah. Yes, and um, I know in 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 that system of faith, and I'm calling it a system because in my mind when I encountered the material, Mm -hmm. it reads like a system. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is meditation, it visualization play a big part in that uh, system of faith. Can Mm -hmm. you speak a little bit more about the Hebrew system of the meditation and the visualization and the visioning and the capturing of the divine impulse?
3: Yeah, the word Kabbalah itself, uh, from three Hebrew uh, alphabets, uh, basically Q, L, uh, Q, B, and L, Kabbalah, Kabbalah. The word itself means to receive, to receive. So it has a connotation of a tradition of mysticism that has been passed down from one generation to to another. Uh, what it is based on that most people might not be aware of is that it is um, essentially two major components and that it, it is a metaphysical, mystical interpretation of the Torah, the Hebrew Bible, and especially the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, which focus on, in, in Genesis, the process of creation. So there's a whole tradition of commentaries, um, that's just an example of the book of Genesis that's called um, the work of creation. So in one sense, uh, the book of Genesis is seen as a text which is describing the uh, creation of the universe, and in another sense, it is seen as a template or model for uh, mental uh, meditation and uh, mental creation or creation uh, in one's uh, environment, one's world. So um, a, a lot of the texts, such as the Zohar, uh, are extended commentaries, but again, metaphysical interpretations of the first five books of the Bible. And that is usually called Ma'aseh Bereshit, the work of creation. Ma'aseh Bereshit. Then there's another key uh, text, and that is the book of Ezekiel as a model, of uh, spiritual illumination, spiritual ecstasy, spiritual uh, connection with the divine, based on the first chapter of the book of Ezekiel, and his vision of the divine, that's called Maase Merkabah. Ma'ase Merkabah. that means the work of the chariot, and uh, all of the various diagrams that are developed over the centuries about the tree of life, about ascending the worlds, about the throne vision, etc., are really based on that text, so What I'm indicating is that many people do not realize how much Kabbalah and uh, Jewish uh, mysticism is also based on a particular way of A, reading the biblical text, and then B, applying uh, yogic-like techniques, body positioning, uh, uh, breathing, as you said, uh, visualization in order to um, assimilate union with the divine within, the divine within, and to reconnect with that divine that's within us and around us and working through us. It's interesting that you said
2: yogic positions because as a martial artist, one of the things I have to learn, or I have learned and still learning, is various qigong and tai chi type movements. And you know, at times it's like, OK, hold this position, pray, meditate, move the energy. You know, it is, you know, being with with uh, with my seafood and yes. it's having him say, OK, now move the energy up your back. And I'm like, well, how do you do that? You do it with your mind. So initially, even though I'm a metaphysical teacher, actually stopping and to say in the context of the everyday, not sitting still, not doing anything, but actually breathe, move and still meditate was yes, something not, that I had to learn to do.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and I think this is part of what's going on behind the scene that, again, it's not always captured because most of us are primarily uh, reading the Bible from a certain point of view casually and not recognizing or not paying attention to the fact that the characters uh, who are being described as having these powerful experiences are are also uh, very active and in motion They're Abraham, Moses, uh, David, they all tended to be shepherds, so they were very physically active. Correspondingly, they had a, a time while they were being quote-unquote shepherds for meditation, so they were very much aware of their environment, their external environment, and their interior environment. So, too, you take the, the book of Daniel. It gives some powerful descriptions. Daniel himself uh, had a vegetarian-type diet. Uh, he spent time fasting. He spent time uh, reading what would have been the Torah or the scriptures uh, that he would have known at the time. And these are the kinds of things that precipitated a lot of the visions and insights and wisdom that he had. That's really, he's the model for uh, what I mean by quasi-yogic uh, techniques or those which would be similar to Kung. To and, of course, this also makes sense because you're in a, In this world, at that time, it's an Afro-Asiatic influence uh, in terms of the language, in terms of the people, in terms of their nomadic patterns, in terms of the geography uh, of where they are living at that time. So, yeah, it fits that even though it's not obvious when you read it casually, but when you go behind the scene and get more of the background of the uh, biblical characters, Something else comes out in bold relief about that suggests uh, the various meditative techniques that they use. Mm -hmm. Yes.
2: So I want after we come back from my 1020 break, I I obviously want to get into actually demonstrating some of. Or you demonstrating some of the techniques that you're talking about, but I did have a particular question I wanted to ask you because I know this comes out of somewhat of your back, your background. I believe when I met you years ago, you had mentioned that you came out of a Pentecostal background. That's right. And one of the things that tends to happen, I had this conversation with a mutual friend, um, uh, Bishop Pearson, and he was talking about how the 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 what we seem to see as the 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 holy spirit taking over the individual sometimes people in the intellectually don't process well what is the, actually happening at that is that show or whatever but mm-hmm. he was talking about it as it being an aesthetic experience
3: it is is aesthetic mysticism yeah and it, yeah. It, uh, here again it doesn't just happen there's a whole a discipline of spiritual practice uh, that is involved that again uh, includes fasting, includes prayer, includes reading scripture, includes, uh, <coughs> excuse me, singing uh, both individually and in uh, the communal context, uh, includes um, uh, specific uh, sounds that are made with music, organ, drum, etc. So inside of this, um, uh, quote unquote, possession by the Holy Spirit you know, are a series of practices that have been cultivated and continue to be cultivated. So I agree with it 100%. I grew up in the Pentecostal church. It's a static mysticism. You can think of mysticism as quiet, as uh, reflective, as contemplative. That is one form, but the the other form uh, is uh, more static. And in fact, when Ezekiel, for example, says that the hand of the Lord is upon him or the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, he really has gone into an ecstatic, uh, trans state of mind.
2: wow, uh, well, you know, I was the the kid in my grandmother's house who would have to pick up the people, when, after she prayed. My grandmother actually was a fundamentalist, charismatic mm-hmm. minister who never actually went into full time ministry because she was a businesswoman, owned right. real estate and uh, restaurants and beauty shops and things of that nature. Like many of um, that era of African Americans were they were mm-hmm. my grandparents were entrepreneurs. They didn't work for people, mm-hmm. and right. uh, and but she would have these prayer meetings on Friday nights, and you know she didn't know a lot about Bible. You right. know. she didn't know anything about theological training, mm-hmm. but she could pray, mm-hmm. and when you prayed, she prayed rather you hit the floor
0: (laughs) consistently.
2: So it was my job to get these ladies. You would come over every Friday off the ground on the couch, make sure they got some water, make stay with them until they actually came out of that. And it looked like a trance like state. I mean, it would, and I knew these people. So I wasn't like, okay, these people are faking it. They're phony. These were the same people. And they didn't have no reason to come over with nobody watching other than them and a few friends. Yeah. You know, she would pray they would hit the floor yeah so it, so she didn't she she didn't might not have understood the metaphysics or the theology but she experienced the mysticism and i always think back to that now that you can be powerful without knowing how to do
3: it well you can be powerful without knowing how to, to focus on it cognitively this, this is yeah, what we're right. talking about mysticism is not uh, based primarily on uh, cognitive acquisition of knowledge or ideas that can help, but it is a multisensorial experience. That's the key, is that mysticism, musterion, the word uh, in the Latin and in the Greek, uh, means uncovering that which is hidden. Well, what is that which is hidden from a mystical point of view is one's inner self, uh, one's inner divine self, I would say, and so the the, the practices of, of isolating, quote-unquote, oneself into a, a a series of prayers, meditation, and chants uh, also unfolds in the form of ecstatic mysticism. Or it um, uh, uh, brings to the surface these powers that are latent within all of us. It's not limited to anyone in particular. And that is not uh, exclusively or uh, even primarily cognitive. It is a physio-emotional uh, response.
2: All right, beautiful, beautiful. We have about one minute to go before our break, so let me let make sure that the callers know okay. that uh, Dr. Coleman is going to give some examples of how to do this type of prayer and meditation um, after the break. And if you want to call in and ask him some questions about prayer and meditation or questions about the biblical text in the context of prayer, meditation, visualization, visioning, um, mystical encounters, mystical experiences, this is the time to take advantage of that opportunity. So the number is 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. Make sure that you call in. Also remember that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. You can go on, like the page. I share other things on it besides things from this show, videos, quotes, um, you know, different posts just to help inspire and, and, and remind you of the truth of who you are in God and who God is in you on a daily basis. So with that, we'll take our first break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
1: and more vibrant. Do you have a specific issue or topic you'd like to discuss with Coach Carla? Call in toll-free, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. during Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell
2: welcome back to truth transformed
1: we're in the midst of another
2: episode of agents of transformation and i have dr will coleman biblical scholar and teacher of biblical mysticism on the line and we have a caller uh dr coleman o'donnell is on the line
3: okay hello
2: hello how you doing dr will coleman thank you so much for taking the question how are you doing, Gaylin? Uh, it's I'm in response. Sure. I heard you mention, and I think it when you were responding to a question from Reverend Gaylin, and you were mention, mentioning spiritual practices, the meditation, the reading, the singing, the fasting, but I heard you say the Holy Spirit. Yes. And I just wanted to, if you can expound on that for me, to give me a little of uh, uh, the Holy
1: Spirit and what, kind of describe that to me.
3: Yeah, that's very powerful. And the Hebrew, is ru- is the Ruach, Ruach. Um, Elohim is what it's called sometimes, but the spirit means divine, it means divine breath. It's connected with the wind, it's connected with inspiration. In the uh, Greek, is pneuma hagion, pneuma, like we get the word uh, pneumon, uh, breath, pneuma, and hagion for holy. And uh, in the biblical context, it is considered to be the spirit of the living one, spirit of the, of the divine one that is both uh, within us and also, uh, you might say, beyond. So it's both. Microcosmic and macrocosmic. Uh, and it is almost always connected, the manifestation of it, in both the Hebrew Scripture and in later uh, New Testament writings, with those disciplines of reading uh, the Scripture or reading some type of sacred material, sacred text, uh, a prayer and meditation on that, uh, the technique of fasting, uh, that's in a certain sense, supplementing the um, impulses of the physical body in order to get in touch with, not in a, in a denying way, but in order to get in touch with the uh, deeper cores of our uh, self-conscious. And so the culmination of, of these practices that, again, Abraham, Moses, Daniel, Jesus, Paul, the think of biblical characters themselves, are uh, uh, utilized will uh, evoke this uh, ecstatic uh, mysticism. Which again can manifest with more singing, dancing, illumination, uh, uh, speaking, and an uh language, if you will, or utterances. That's what better way of putting it: speaking in aesthetic utterances. So these are uh, the the if the uh, effects from the 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 causes of uh, the spiritual practices. Does that help? I oh, guess it does, and I thank you so much. Well, thank you for calling. And thank okay, you,
2: question. Your you're blessing. welcome. Have a good day. Now. You thank too. you, Donald, for calling. Thank you. So, Dr. Coleman, yes. um, I want to give you an opportunity to explain or show the uh, the listeners how the meditation works in the context of the biblical narrative. Do you have some examples?
3: Yes, sir. So, I'm going to do uh, three things. One, uh, I'm going to read a passage in Genesis 1-1 that most of us are familiar with in the English. I'm going to read it in English, and then I'm going to read it in the Hebrew and give a little bit of uh, insight or interpretation from a more Kabbalistic point of view, i.e., Jewish mystical point of view, and then demonstrate how that passage, just a part of this passage, can be used as a a kind of a mantra chant, okay? Okay. Then I want to go to Exodus chapter uh, 3, where the famous passage of Moses is, uh, revelation of uh, or experience of the I am, and show that inside that passage, again, there's a lot of layers of what that Hebrew word, just one Hebrew phrase means, and that it is also connected with something you asked me about earlier, i.e. affirmations, affirmations in the biblical text in reference to the living one, but can not be used for a meditation and chanting. And then as time permits after that, if we don't have another call, etc., I'll do a more extensive demonstration of what has come to be known as, as a middle pillar exercise, and it'll be a guided meditation. So first, uh let's read Genesis 1:1. Uh typically it's read, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the Hebrew it reads, Bereshit bara Elohim eight Hashimaim. And uh, the Hebrew meaning goes far deeper than anything we would hear in the English. So let me uh, give a a more Kabbalistic mystical interpretation. In consciousness, better sheet, in consciousness, there were shapes shaped and formed by the powers, the Elohim here, not G-O-D, but the powers shaped and formed, the heavens and the earth, or one could say, shaped and formed uh, translucent energy and matter. M-A-T-T-E-R. So you can already begin to hear that uh, at a deeper level, and this is based on the Hebrew alphabets, based on the numerical value of those alphabets, based on the sound of those alphabets, uh, Jewish Kabbalistic mystics are able to go far deeper than simply saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But this translation or this way of thinking now brings it to consciousness it's saying everything begins in consciousness everything is shaped first and foremost in consciousness before it takes any uh, material form that it is um, uh, it is shaped and formed in uh, the world of causes before it uh, enters into the world of effects the things that we see Uh, the things that in fact the things that we see are a consequence of things that are not seen because they are in the mind until they are given expression through a series of activities. Uh, one other thing about this opening verse in Genesis, it gives you a summation of the entire book of Genesis and certainly of the entire first chapter, which then goes on to talk about a series of creative processes. Now, the phrase, just the first phrase, Barashit bara Elohim, Et. Bereshit bara Elohim et Bereshit bara Elohim et In consciousness, the powers, the possibilities bring forth everything else. Bereshit bara Elohim et Bereshit bara Elohim et er- Bereshit bara Elohim et That also becomes an affirmation because uh, even though you are uh, making reference to the divine macrocosmic powers, then in the image Genesis says, in the image of the macrocosmic powers, we as microcosms also have uh, the possibility and the charge to manifest whatever comes into our consciousness. So it is a, a chant, uh, it is a mantra, and it is a reminder and an affirmation that in consciousness, everything that we see begins to come into existence. Is that clear? Yeah, that's clear. And it sounds very Filmorian. Char- yeah. It sounds like something Charles Fillmore would write. Yeah, because it's something he probably read somewhere. <laughs> 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 you know, my whole piece about uh, why I do Bible and meditation every Monday night is to help people realize that a lot of what has been said is, is, um, in the text, in the text, and, and a lot of it is in the more original sound frequencies. That's the other thing. I want you to hear the poetry of the sound that loops. Bereshit bara Elohim et. Bereshit bara Elohim Eight. Bereshit bara Elohim et. That helps you to go into a deeper uh, aspect of yourself while you're saying that too. Especially yeah. if you do it in the context with the you know, you do the body positioning, you got your candle lit, etc. It's a powerful it,
2: it sounds like a
3: Buddhist chant. It is. I mean, that's right. Exactly yeah. right. Now, that too. I want uh, us to experience that what we often associate with Eastern meditation techniques are not exclusive to Eastern meditation techniques and that again in Jewish Kabbalah, uh, there are parallels to it that are not as evident in the English translations as they are in the original Hebrew intonations. Yeah.
2: And also, you know, um, it's Christ universal temple. At least once a year, we do a healing service. We call it, which is a spiritual healing service where we focus everything, all of the songs, you know, minimize everything in the service so we can get to the prayer Sermon focuses on the prayer, and then the ministers go out and we pray with the people. But as the singing is going on, one of the things that happens, and this isn't necessarily always done in New Thought churches, but Reverend Coleman was such a big believer in the activity of spirit, Yes, she felt as though that this was something that once she experienced it, she said, you know what, we're going to do this, and we're going to go out and we'll pray with the people, and as that consciousness builds up, it builds up to a space to where... Um, you know, people are singing and praise the Lord. And some, you know, I've prayed with people, and before I even get, they walk up to me to pray, they are praise the Lord, 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 praise the Lord. And they're saying it so often, it's putting them in the space because they're feeling it at a deep
3: soul level. That's exactly right. And that's why this can work with any language uh, where, now what you just demonstrated, where there's also a powerful communal a gathering and a powerful communal repetition of what one might call key words or phrases of power. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, or Jesus, 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 or yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. When these uh, uh, intonations are made repeatedly and in a group context, they also will induce a state of ecstatic uh, mysticism, both individually and corporately beautiful beautiful and it, it works it, it, it's it's a law <laughs> yeah so, so let me look at this second passage here and for this one i want to go to exodus chapter uh, three the famous passage was moses vision of the burning bush this is of course happening in his mind this is a vision that he's seeing and this uh, internal uh uh interior dialogue and in the midst of this, we have, I'm going to read it in the English first, and then I want to unpack it some with the meditation. So then the Elohim said to Moses, or the, uh, I uh, shall be just as I am coming to be. And he said, you shall say to the sons of Israel, I shall come to be, this one has sent me to you. Now, we usually translate that as Moses asks a question, well, when I go back to Pharaoh, who shall I say has sent me uh, to, uh, to uh, deliver the people? And the response is, tell them that I am has sent you. That's where we get it in English. But the Hebrew is much profounder than that. And it's uh, what he hears is a phrase. And the phrase is this one, a year I share a year, a year I share a year, which can be translated as really, I have been what I have been, I am what I am, and I will be what I will be. essentially saying that whatever the need uh, there is, that is what I am. But it's, it's deeper because it's not just limited to a particular moment in time. It's past, present, and future all at the same time. It's a, it's, it, this, this being is saying to Moses in Moses' mind, I am the eternal one. I'm the eternal past, present, and future. I'm all possibilities. And this is where in New Thought and other places, people began to extract the, uh, the, this, that phrase, I am, the, the, the I am presence. And this is what uh, Moses is experiencing. So here again, is another little mantra. A yeah, I share a yeah. As yeah, I share a yeah. A yeah, I share a yeah. I have been what I have been. I am that I am. I will be what I will be. And the way the phrase loops in Hebrew, it also emulates this idea of continuity because it keeps saying, a year I share, a year I share, a year I share, a year I share, a year I share. share." Now, in the very next verse, then this affirmation is extended because, um, uh, again, I'm just going to highlight it. It goes on to say, and the Elohim says to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, yod Hey vah Hey yod Hey vah Hey. the Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name for all ages, and this is the remembrance of me for generation after generation. Now, see, that's a formula and an affirmation. It doesn't make much sense just in the English. You really have to hear it again in the Hebrew. And so what he says is, Ava Yoma, or, Old Elohim El Moshe, Kotomara, Edbine, Yisrael, Yod, hey, Vav, hey, Avot, him, Avraham, Elohim, Yitzach." Uh, Velo hey ya you hear the formula? There is. I am the strong one of your ancestors. I am the strong one of Abraham. I am the strong one of Isaac. I am the strong one of Jacob. I'm the power, the potentiality of these ancestors that now is being revealed to you as Yotevavhey or as yeah. The Living One. You hear what? It, you, you hear the, the the way in which that vibrates in yeah. in the Hebrew. That's not present in the just the English translation, which is, is is flatter because it sounds linear. But when you hear it and intone it in the Hebrew, Elohe techim Elohe Avraham, Elohe Yitzach, Yaakov. Now. Inside of that, each is another level of meaning. I am the strong one of the father of many, Abraham. I am the strong one of laughter. That's what Isaac names me. I am the strong one of ingenuity. One can say that. That's what Jacob names me. So this is also an affirmation of the different attributes of these powers. All right. That yeah, is I being, like that. Yeah, yeah. That is being said by this by this being. But it's also being said to Moses to communicate to the children of Israel so that they understand that these are the powers that are available to them in these names. That's why in Hebrew, names are also formulas and names are affirmations in a way that does not always come through, again, in the the English translations. The name itself. And this is why... Uh, Also at at different points in scripture When it says I will do such and such for my name's sake Is because the name is a formula If you know how to name something in the ancient world You also know how to tap into the essence of that thing
2: All right, beautiful, beautiful Um, And and it makes me think of Jesus or Yeshua You know, Yahweh saves
3: (laughs) That's right, that's right That's right, Yeshua, meaning the living one says, because the word Yahweh is also a verb. This is another Kabbalistic point. The the divine name in Hebrew is not a noun. It's not the name of a person, place, or thing. The divine name is a description of a particular form of action or of beingness. So the name that gets translated as Yahweh is actually a verb, okay. a future tense verb, I will be, and, uh, I will. And, and many of the names in the Hebrew are formulas, and that's why, now let me get to this point, because this is another piece, when people say, well, there's no other name under heaven whereby you must be saved, right? right. Well, here, only that way, it does sound very exclusive. But if you know what the name means, it's inclusive. Because what does the name mean? The name means the living one heals, the living one saves, the living one makes whole. That is then a formula for what? For healing. Mm -hmm. It's not an exclusive term. It is a universal affirmation. Right to your point, when you asked earlier, are there affirmations in the Bible? Yes, it's full of affirmations. Yes, I can
2: see that clearly. So in, in the context of when Jesus said, pray in my name, would this yes. be the same thing?
3: Absolutely. Pray in the name of healing. Because, again, we've taken the ideas of saving or salvation to 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 think of it primarily in terms of avoiding fire. You follow me? Avoiding hell. Yes. No, it means being healed, being restored, being whole. That's what it means. All right. So, right. praying, "quote unquote" praying in that name is uh, praying with the consciousness of the power of the formula. Same thing with uh, in the in 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 the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's a formula of originating okay. power, of redeeming power, and of sustaining power. Father, Son, Mother, Holy Spirit. You're getting me say Mother, Holy Spirit, because uh-huh. again, ruach in Hebrew is feminine okay I'm sure that would uh, open
2: the eyes of a lot of
3: fundamentalists (laughs) (laughs) all they gotta do is look at the the Hebrew it's me again this is why it's so powerful as you know in my teaching I want my students to not just take my word but to see the text for themselves because when you see it for yourself and you know the inner meaning of it then um Uh, your your mind has to begin to shift about what you thought you knew. And it's not bad what you thought you knew. It's just what you thought you knew has been limited by the translation that you're using and that you're looking at.
2: One quick question before you go into the third point, I think we'll have time because we we haven't had a call and we can go up until 1055 my time, 1155 your time. Yes. Um, in the in the book of Revelation, uh, when it, when uh, Jesus is revealed to John the Elder, mm-hmm. Charles Fillmore in the Twelve Powers of Man calls that vision the Fourth Dimensional Man. Yes. I wanted to know uh, what was your you know because I know you're teaching the the book right now. Yeah. What is your concept around Fillmore's Fourth Dimensional Man, and does it match up with the mystical tradition? uh that's been that, that you've studied and now teach.
3: Yes, I mean again it's it's a basic in many respects basic Kabbalistic slash Rosicrucian idea. And what it is intended to connote is the experience of of e, e of one's eternal self here and now. So what John sees is um if you think of Adam as the first man uh, a prototype of the first human being, then uh Paul calls Yeshua not just Yeshua, but the 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 exalted archetype of Yeshua, the second Adam, that is the the second prototype of the ideal human being who is totally conscious of his her connection with the divine. Then this notion of the of the fourth dimensional man or the fourth dimensional person is um is like having as John is having a, a, an illumination in which the worlds of time and space are opened up and you ex, experience that even in this, quote unquote, limited and limiting body, you have a divine, eternal, unlimited, unrestricted experience, even if it's for a moment. Okay. So that's what it's about the, the, the fourth dimensional uh, of man or person is uh, and then bringing that, awa- that awareness back into your present reality. It's knowing that you are uh, a in the image of the I am B that you also are I am here right. now it's not in the future. it's in the present. and what becomes present, what becomes present is your awareness of this, your awareness of this.
2: All right, got it, got it. So I wanted to make sure that you have enough time for your third example because yes. you said you wanted to give a you know a little walkthrough through a through a technique or a system. So I wanted to make sure that we had enough time, which is about nine minutes to do no, that. No
3: problem. Okay, so I'm going to invite you to do this along with me, Chico. Right. So you All are, right. this is about involves a series of uh, attention to body, breath, mind, and spirit. Body, breath, mind, and spirit. The, the position of the body. Want to sit. With your feet about shoulder-width apart, flat on the ground, place your palms in your lap. Make sure that your back is as straight as possible. And now you want to bring your attention to your breathing so that when you inhale, you take a full deep breath, feel your lungs, and extend your abdomen. And as you exhale, you want to extend, a uh, contract the abdomen, and uh, release the, the breath. And again, as you inhale, you um Fill your lungs, extend your abdomen. As you exhale, contract the abdomen, empty your lungs. As you inhale, you want to imagine that you're bringing in the power of the Ruach, the spirit, into every cell of your body, every cell of your whole being. And as you exhale, you want to release and let go of all um, extended, all expended energy, and indeed all negative energy of spirit, mind, emotion, and body. As you inhale, you bring the energy into your consciousness from the heavens above, down through your whole body. As you exhale, release it out through the lower part of your body and the soles of your feet. With me, take a full deep breath. Inhale, exhale. Inhale and exhale. Again, inhale and exhale. So now as you breathe normally, I want you to imagine a sphere about the size of a baseball just above the top of your head, touching the tip of your head. This is spinning and rotating. It's clear, crystal clear. And with this ball is the name sound, Eheya, which means I am, the divine energy. Eheya. I'm going to intone this sound, Eheya, once as this ball is spinning and rotating. This is the I am presence. Inhale. Now, bring the energy down to the throat area. Again, the ball is still spinning and rotating. Here it is gray in color. And the divine name associated here is a combination of yod Hey vah Hey elohim the strong living powers within me and within us. Yod hey vah hey Elohim. Here, at the throat area. Inhale. Yod. Bring the energy down in your mind's eye down to the solar plexus region. and Here the sphere still spinning, rotating is golden in color right at the center of the body, the solar plexus and the divine uh, name sound here Hey Vahe Eloah eloa Ve-Da'at The living, strong, dynamic of uh, feminine power of uh, intuition, of gnosis. yod Hey vah Ve-Da'at Now draw the energy down to the reproductive part of the body here. The sphere is purple in color. And the divine formula name is Shaddai El Chai. Shaddai El Chai. The combination of masculine and the feminine powers of life. Shaddai El Chai. Shaddai. still breathing, normally you bring the energy down just below the feet and now the sphere is black in color, the absorption of all the previous energies and the divine name formally is Adonai Haaretz the Sovereign One of the Earth Adonai Haaretz we can round this energy off of these divine names with the formula of Amen, which really means in Hebrew, El Melech Ne'iman, the strong, sovereign one is faithful. Amen. So each of these names or sounds are from Scripture. Eh, yeah. Again, revealed to Moses in Exodus. Yod, hey, Vav, hey, Elohim. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4a, verse 4b, rather, and throughout chapter 2. The living strong ones or the living strong powers. Then, uh, yod heh vah eloa Vidaat daat is a hybrid. It is, uh, as I said, the living, strong, feminine power, because the Elohim could be masculine or feminine, feminine power of Da'at, of knowledge, of Gnosis, like Da'at that's referred to the tree of the knowledge of good and bad, or the Gnosis. Shudai el Chai is a form of the name that gets translated in English as God Almighty, but it really means the sufficient strong one, the one who provides for the needs of life. And there's a name revealed to uh, Avraham, and as you saw also in Exodus, it's the Elohei Avraham, Elohei uh, Isaac, Elohei Yaakov, the Elohei uh, Avatekin, uh, or the, the the strong one of uh, the ancestral powers. And then the final one, uh, Shaddai Avraham, um the final one is Adonai Haaretz. Adonai Haaretz. Adonai is often a substitute for yore vahe Adonai meaning the sovereign one, and sovereign one of what? Of the earth, of matter. There you have it. All of these uh, constitute what has been uh, come to be known in the Kabbalistic tradition as the middle pillar exercise for aligning the um, these uh, spheres. And these energy centers on the body and in the environment.
2: That is actually beautiful. Next time you're in Chicago, I'm getting you and seafood together, no matter what. He has a meditation that is almost exactly like that one <laughs> from it's from it's China.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's universal, but I really want people to hear yeah. that these are not arbitrary. These right. uh, formulas, intonations, are from scripture, right? Beautiful, beautiful. So we're,
2: we're down to the last 30 seconds. So I want to remind people, how do they get in contact with you? Your website?
3: Email the website is, is uh, come And on the website, you'll see a tab that says Contact Us. You click on it and uh, send me an email request, and you can join my um, pro bono Monday night class. Every Monday night, uh, we meet from uh, Central Time, be from 7, 30, 8, 30, Uh, Atlanta time is 8.30 to 9.30. We go through a series of studies, meditations, and also on every Thursday evening, I do a healing vigil from uh, the 10 to 11, your time, 11 to 12, thereabouts, uh, Atlanta time.
2: All right. Well, beautiful. Well, thank you, Dr. Coleman, for thank coming you. on the show. It's been a pleasure. It's been enlightening. And I know that the listeners will play this tape and pl- and utilize that meditation for the transformation of uh, an alignment of spirit, soul, body. Thank you so much. And we'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms.
3: Thank you so much. Thank Have you. a blessed day. Bye.
1: philosopher plato said the unexamined life is not worth living in a world where it is paramount that we earn a living and provide for those who depend upon us there seems to be little or no time for self-evaluation survival receives all our attention yet when you pause and take a look at the little things in your daily experience a richer you will be discovered in knowing yourself you develop a better understanding of others. In Unity, we support the spiritual idea of knowing thyself. It's how we can all bring a healing, compassionate attitude to an ever-changing world.
0: This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org.
1: Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're
3: unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling. And on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. And wherever you get your podcasts, let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.